Today is our annual Vision Sunday, where we celebrate some of the highlights over the last 12 months or so, and we'll be hearing stories of some of the things that God has been doing in and through the church, and we'll also be looking ahead into this coming year. There's been so much happening that we won't have time to more than just touch on a few areas today, but to begin, let's just take a look back at some of the things from the last year. God has called us to build a growing, regional, biblically-based church in Nottingham, which will, in a creative and contemporary way, in the power of the Holy Spirit, worship God and communicate the gospel with compassion and generosity. We aim to make, train, and equip disciples to be effective in the extending of God's kingdom, to develop leaders, to plant new churches, and to contribute to the blessing of the whole body of Christ.
In September, we celebrated the church's 25th birthday. And back then, when this church began, we wrote a vision statement, which in two sentences just attempted to capture what we believed the Lord wanted this church to be. And that was essentially the vision statement you just heard on the film. We've made a couple of very minor changes to that statement over the course of the last 25 years. And today, I want to share with you another change that we'll be making. Over the last two years, we've been engaging more deliberately with the issue of racial diversity. We've had many conversations, we've reflected, examined our hearts, we've done one-off talks, then we did a series uh, of talks on the subject with small group resources, we formed a steering group of leaders from different racial and ethnic backgrounds to uh, advise us, and we've gathered stakeholder groups looking at different areas uh, of the life of the church through the lens of racial diversity. Today, churches across the nation are marking Racial Justice Sunday. It's therefore somewhat fitting to be sharing with you that today, the first line of the vision statement is going to change slightly and will now read this way. God has called us to build a biblical, growing, and diverse church in Nottingham, which will in a creative and contemporary way in the power of the Holy Spirit do all the rest of the things listed there. We've removed a couple of words, regional, I think it's self-evident by now that we are a regional church, and based, it was biblically based, we've just made that biblical, and we've added this word diverse. Now while racial and ethnic diversity is a key focus for us and has actually been the trigger to us adjusting the vision statement, the reality is that we want this church to be a place where people with all kinds of differences can feel totally at home and really thrive. So whatever your socioeconomic or political or ethnic or racial background, your age, your gender, whether you have mental or physical health challenges, whether you are single, married, divorced, widowed, whoever you are, you are absolutely welcome here. And so we had considered adding the words racially diverse to the statement. However, in consultation with our race steering group, it was clear that our focus on racial diversity is very much included in simply adding the word diversity, and there was no need to single that one particularly out. So our vision is now, even more than it has ever been, for a biblical, growing, and diverse church. So today I want to highlight some of the things which we do as a church uh, by taking a few of the words or phrases from within the vision statement and expanding them. So starting with our being called to worship God. Our primary purpose is to worship God in everything we do. Sung worship is one of the ways we express that, whether that is together on a Sunday, in small groups, or any other gathering like the Compassion Prayer and Worship Evening, which we had in November. We began the year unable to worship together in person because of the restrictions that were in place. So the majority of our worship was online or in much smaller gatherings. The restrictions meant that we were not allowed to sing together indoors for an incredibly long time. 71 straight weeks we were not allowed to sing indoors. So, for example, when singing was permitted outside, we hosted sing events 
And uh, comparing it to the restricted experience we were having in services, having for months to remain silent behind our face coverings, someone described that event as being like worshipping in colour. In March, even though we were not allowed to sing ourselves, even with masks on, we were able to physically gather on Sundays back here in the auditorium in Trent Kids and Trent Youth. And it was absolutely wonderful being in the same room together, worshipping alongside one another. And as people came back into the building for the first time in so many months, some people just broke into tears. There were spontaneous moments of applause and uh, we were able to do socially distanced prayer with markers on the carpet and it was kind of weird, but at least we got to pray for one another even if we couldn't touch each other. We are also a church which prays. In term time, there are men's and women's early morning prayer meetings. People, to gather, people gather to pray all over our site before our Sunday services and we pray at almost every event and gathering, like these young people at the youth event DTI. Even the youngest children have caught a passion for prayer. I heard about one little boy from Trent Kids whose mum went to pick him up from nursery, okay, from nursery. The staff had noticed that when any of the other children are upset or hurt, he goes over to them and puts his hand on their shoulder and looks like he's talking to himself. They weren't quite sure what he was doing, and his mum was then able to tell them that he was praying for them. That's beautiful. And we've seen some amazing answers to prayer through the year. We've experienced quite a number of people being physically healed in both in-person and online events, including among many, hands, feet, legs being healed, chest and abdomen pain disappearing. In September, Natalie was diagnosed with a neurological condition that significantly restricted the use of her legs, and she had to use crutches in order to walk. She received prayer at her small group, and Natalie told me that on the way home, she stopped at a petrol station. And having experienced some extraordinary things happening in her body as her small group had prayed for her, she decided to walk in and pay without taking her crutches. And to her absolute amazement, as she got back to her car, she had walked unaided, and with renewed strength and speed. And she told me that she experienced complete healing in her legs that evening. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is answering prayers in all areas of church life. I'm sure there are countless other stories among us, uh, and we are grateful for everyone. We also want to communicate the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. When restrictions have allowed, teams have regularly gone out on the streets sharing the gospel. In the last 12-month period, about 400, over 400 individuals, of which 49 were prayed for to receive Jesus. And it's amazing how God uh, goes before them, how he orchestrates conversations, interactions. For example, Caroline had a prophetic word for a guy who immediately started weeping because of how well it described his situation. Ben and Nathan got chatting to a guy on the Nottingham Trent University campus and ended up praying for him. They exchanged numbers, but they didn't connect for a number of weeks. And Ben and Nathan were out in Market Square three weeks later, and they were just thinking about him. They tried to call him, didn't manage to get through, so they immediately stopped, and they prayed about him. Seconds after praying, he walked past them in the center of town, and they were able to connect again. 
It's been great to hear stories of many of you sharing your faith with friends and in the wider community. A couple of students uh, from Trent were chatting about church, and a few friends gathered round them and started asking questions about their faith. The two students were able to pray for one of the friends while the others watched on, and they all said they felt a sense of peace in the atmosphere. Four of the friends came to church the next Sunday, and one of them remarked afterwards that it was the first time they had felt at peace for a whole hour. There were many conversations about faith throughout the rest of the term, so much so that course mates started to joke that Christianity was the new trend because so many people were trying it. While giving out chocolates on campus, one student noticed a group of three young women sitting on the steps in front of Newton Building, so went over and offered them some chocolates. And when they heard that she was part of a church, one of them immediately asked for prayer. She said that they felt they should stay longer than they'd planned sitting on the steps, and this evidently was the reason why. Despite restrictions... And the difficulties of this past year, we've been able to baptize 36 people, sometimes being creative to stay within the COVID restrictions at the time. Baptisms are just a wonderful opportunity to hear what God is doing in people's lives. Like one guy from Iran who told a Christian friend also in Iran that he was desperate to learn about Jesus and to find a church. And his friend told him that going to church was too dangerous but he was just absolutely determined. In the end, he went to a church where he was led to Jesus. He's now living in England and was introduced to Trent uh, by some Iranians he was living with, and it was an absolute delight to baptize him here in October. Debbie and I are always encouraged when we meet people who are here for the very first time, and it may be that describes you today. We're absolutely thrilled that you are with us. Despite changing COVID guidelines uh, this past year, well over 100 people have attended a newcomers event, whether that was online or whether that was here in person. One lady who came to a newcomers uh, online welcome described herself as having been a secret attender here at Trent. So she'd never really spoken to anyone. She just turned up at the evening service. But during the pandemic, boxes of treats from Trent were dropped off at the school where she is the deputy head as part of the Love Key Workers campaign. And she'd had the joy of giving out a box to every member of staff. And she was so moved by what had happened that she just thought, I need to take the next step and find out more about this community, which she did. She is now connected into Trent and she's attending a small group. God is utterly compassionate, and we want to express God's compassion to those in need. One of the main ways we express this as a church is through our ministry, which is called, not surprisingly, Trent Compassion. And we were delighted to celebrate 20 years of the Arches, one of our main compassion ministries, in November. Let's hear from some of the compassion team now. I feel for the homeless in this city because they are judged so readily, and this is not right. We were delivering furniture on the van, and we visited a house with a family of four. We had a whole uh, household worth of furniture. Um, The family had two children roughly the same age as my own. Uh, When we got there, they were all wrapped up in coats. 
Um, they had absolutely nothing in the house, no carpets, curtains, nothing. Um, and to give them all this furniture was good. So for them to be without, it's, it's just not right. I help out um, with English classes for refugee ladies. And there's a lady within our group and she's been separated from her daughter. Her daughter's back at home and the lady lives in Nottingham and she'd love to be reunited with her. And she's not, and that's just not right. I was sitting in the arches chatting to a gentleman and he didn't have any hopes or dreams or goals for his life. And I don't think that's right. I'm out on the streets most days and I see homeless, vulnerable women. It's not right. A family from our city was referred to the Arches with five children. They don't have anywhere to live, so they're going from hotel room to hotel room, using up all their money. The children don't have any other clothes apart from their school uniforms, and they don't have any toys. So not only are they facing the pressure of being a child and a teenager, and also all the pressures of school, they don't even know where they're starting their day, and it's just not right. That's not right. It's just not right. That's just not right. I just don't think it's right. It's not right. It's just not right. There are 16 staff and over 180 active volunteers at Trent Compassion. People from all walks of life, different ages, different backgrounds. But we all have one thing in common. Our hearts have been stirred by the things we hear about, the things we see in our city that just aren't right. Moments when, if we allow ourselves, we connect with God's heart for justice. We believe we can make a difference, both by bringing relief and support and by giving a voice to the voices. We want to step into those situations where things aren't right, the things that break God's heart, and bring the living hope of Jesus to the last, the lost, and the least. There was a homeless gentleman who'd been on the streets for a few weeks. He was missing some paperwork that was preventing him from working as a trained IT analyst. We initially tried to pray for him because that's what we always do, but he said he didn't believe in God. We signposted him on to food and general support and gave him a Bible. However, since then, we've continued to meet with him on the seat run and we've prayed for him. And he's come along to our Step Forward Community Small Group. He's also come along to church on a Sunday. It's a real privilege to be part of such a team that cares in such a positive way for the homeless in our city. Hiya, my name is Barry. I was at the Carpenter's Arms, but now I live in one of the Step Forward houses. Since coming to Trent, I feel as though I'm part of a big family, which is something that I've never had before. I've received support from Step Forward Money Advice and Step Forward Employability, and they connect me to Notts Falls Football Club, where I got a job as a steward. That's something that I've always wanted to do. I'm also part of a small group that meets on Thursdays at the Arches. I've been able to make some new friends. I'm on a good path and I want to flourish. God's good every day. God bless. These stories represent hundreds of lives touched by Trent Compassion. This year we have provided furniture and household items to 529 individuals and families, many of whom had just moved into empty accommodation. We have fed Nottingham's homeless community and visited those in prison. We have distributed 116 tonnes of food and 5,349 Christmas boxes and gifts. 
We have welcomed people into our community, our family, supported 85 people with debt and helped over 100 people through mentoring, advocacy, training and one-to-one -one support. If you would like to get involved, fill in a connect card and let us know. And together with Jesus, we can do what we can to make things right. When I watched that yesterday, it just moved me to tears. A lot is just not right. But as a church, we're making a real difference, doing what we can in so many ways to make things right. Many of you donated items to the Love Christmas packages or gave time to organizing and packing them ready for distribution. And these boxes of Christmas treats, essential items and gifts meant so much to those who received them. Like this primary school pupil who said this, I was so excited when I got my bag of presents. When I looked in my bag, I thought I could pick one thing. I could not believe it when I was told I could have all the things in the bag. That day was my favorite day. Trent Kids got involved, bringing hundreds of gifts for children who may have otherwise not had any. In partnership with Hope Into Action, we now have three step forward houses as a first step to helping people move on into more permanent homes. And tenants are given boxes of essentials on arrival, and they're given then furniture and household goods through the arches when they move on into more permanent housing. And they're also given a lot of relational support. One of the tenants of the home for mums and babies had spent the first three months of her baby's life just alone with her child in bed and breakfast. Moving into Swan House gave her the space, gave her the support she needed to establish a good routine with her daughter. And with the help she received, she re-established relationships with her family, especially her mum. And she was supported to apply for housing and secured a suitable family home for her and her daughter in an area close to her extended family. Through Trent Compassion, we wanted to express our appreciation and care for those who had extended themselves through COVID to serving others, and almost 700 boxes of treats were distributed to key workers across the city. One member of the church who is a key worker wrote to us to say that their team was so very moved and delighted to receive the gifts, and that the impact of the love gift from Trent Vineyard was wonderful to behold. Her colleagues were all full of thanks and delight that our church should give them such a gift to them. These giveaways are more than just material goods, but for example, at Easter we sent parcels containing an Easter egg, a wire Easter booklet, and a card for all 2,000 inmates and staff at Nottingham and Foston prisons. And it was quite a simple gift uh, on an individual level, but it had a, just a huge impact, particularly on one inmate who wrote to us to say this. I was touched at how kind it was to have people from outside care enough to do that for us. I've been in prison for over 10 years and I have not seen an Easter egg in all that time. Thank you from everyone here at the prison. We've all been locked down in cells for 23 hours a day for over a year, and it was nice to have something to make us feel 
a little less worthless. We've all, yeah, <laughs> wonderful. We've also shown compassion, of course, to one another in just numerous ways, supporting each other through the difficult season we've been through, painful seasons and grief. And in March, we held an online remembrance service for those who had lost loved ones, some of whom had been unable to attend a funeral due to the restrictions which had been in place at the time. And it was a special time to reflect, to worship and pray together. One attendee said this, even though we weren't physically together, it gave us a connectedness within the church family, even though we were all grieving very different people from different circumstances. We also want to express God's generosity. Everything we do as a church is only possible because of the generosity shown by so many of you in financial giving. And we are really, every one of us, really grateful to you for your commitment. As a church, we are committed together to being generous with the resources we have. 22% uh, of our income is set apart to be given away or spent on things and activities that benefit those outside our church. One of the ways we do that is through giving gifts to numerous other organizations working in this country and abroad. This year, for instance, we were able to make really quite significant contributions to Tear Fund's response to the crisis in Afghanistan and their response to the crisis in Haiti. We also gave money to 222 Ministries, a charity working in Iran and the surrounding area towards their response to the crisis in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Part of the generosity of this church is expressed in our ongoing commitments to various Trent members who are ministering elsewhere in the world, including Zimbabwe, Japan, Ghana, and India. And we were delighted that Cat and Mary, who lead an incredible ministry in India called Love the One, were included in this year's New Year's Honours list, each receiving an OBE from the Queen for services to healthcare and child welfare in India. As a church, we are privileged to have played a part and continue to play a small part in supporting them along the way, and we love what they do. Good morning, Cat and Mary. Many of you have reached out with generosity to those around you. Part of our Set Apart Fund facilitates small groups uh, reaching out. And, uh, they, you know, there's an allowance. It's like, how can we creatively spend this, blessing the community? They've done so many creative things. So like Jim and Jackie's group who gave goodie bags with handwritten cards and treats for every member of staff to a local school. Or Tom and Beth's small group who gave out 120 Easter eggs to all the cleaners on the University Park campus. Or Josh and Sylvia's group who gave flowers and chocolates to the staff at the Dunkirk Primary Schools. We became aware of a woman who had severe arthritis and was facing potential financial penalties because of the state of her garden. Two small groups, Andy and Hazel's and David and Lindsay's, were able to clear it and make it usable again. Andy and Jenny sense God speaking to them about providing affordable accommodation for people who may otherwise struggle to afford it. They bought a flat, and then their small group all pitched in to help decorate and renovate it. A family from one of the step-forward houses has now moved into that flat. 
Trent Kids also embraced generosity to their friends and neighbors. Lottie and her sister made Easter cards and added chocolate eggs and delivered them to over 30 neighbors and friends. Another family delivered Easter chocolates to over 50 houses in their street. Ben, who is 10, saved up his pocket money to buy three medical cards which provide people in Burundi health care for three years. And his sister Hannah, who is eight, used her pocket money to help buy a Bible for students in Burundi, many of whom have never had one of their own. It's not just money that people are generous with. Of course, the amount of time and energy which church members pour into serving through organized ministries or individuals beyond the church is truly extraordinary. Whether it is on a Sunday, through small groups, in some other area of ministry, we are so grateful to all of you who generously serve others in facilitating what God is doing here. We were delighted that so many of you signed up to take your place as we reintroduced the third Sunday service just last week. We aim to make, train, and equip disciples. This year, we've had three Alpha courses. Two of them were online, one in person. We've also run Alpha in a school and a student Alpha course, which had someone coming from Marbella because we were online. Bob, who himself did the Alpha course a few years ago, started an Alpha course in his workplace. Using the resources and support we've provided, nine of his colleagues are doing that course. We want to see everyone grow in their relationship with God. And in the last year, we've run a number of courses to facilitate that, including Bible Basics, the pre-marriage course. We have this leadership training called Inspire and Discovering Your Gifts, which is called Shape and a discipleship program in prisons, to name just a few. It's also been wonderful to see people develop and mature in their faith. For example, on First Steps with Jesus, previous participants have been so blessed on the course that they're now doing it again, this time helping to lead on it. We have people of all ages devoting part of their week to the church as they focus on growing in their faith on our discipleship year, which is called Zoe, Discipleship Year Plus, and the Gap Year. One of the primary ways we train and equip disciples is through our small groups. We currently have 113 adult small groups, including some for students and groups in languages other than English. There are also groups for Trent youth and microgroups for children aged 8 to 11. Whether for adults for young people or children, small groups are really at the very heart of the church. They're where we gather to worship, to pray for one another, to study the Bible together, and where so many really supportive relationships are built. Sadly, before Christmas, Angela lost her husband. Her whole small group served at the Thanksgiving service tirelessly and with great care serving tea and coffee and other refreshments as well as setting it all up and setting it all down again and the family was blown away by this wonderful expression of love one of the primary ways in which we grow in our faith is through relationships where we can go through life's ups and downs together and it has been wonderful to hear from people who initially connected with Trent online find family here at Trent Let's hear Sasha's story. 
Hello, my name's Sasha and this is my story. So I grew up in a Christian household, but mainly went to church because my mom wanted me to. I didn't really embrace having my own relationship with God then. Uh, so in my first year of uni, there was just a lot going on in my life and I became withdrawn from pretty much everything and everyone. I felt numb and hopeless and it was like I had fallen into a dark pit. So I started to pray and decided to find a church. Trent Vineyard was top of the list because my mom knew about it. So I began joining the online services during lockdown. I felt connection through the worship and talks even though I was just sitting at home. Then my family and I caught COVID and my mom was hospitalized. It was such an emotional time for me and I really needed reassurance from God. I signed up for the online girls room event here. Then on the morning of the event, a friend randomly sent me a song from an album called Beauty for Ashes. Then I received a gift package from the girls room with the same theme, Beauty for Ashes, and a Bible verse which spoke directly into my situation. So even though I trusted God that everything would be okay, I just needed reassurance as I was worried about my mom. The event itself was amazing, even though it was on Zoom. I was surrounded with so much love and prayer. The whole experience was confirmation that God was with me when I needed it the most. By the end, I knew I wanted to make Trent Vineyard my home. Soon after that, I watched an online baptism service and was struck by how many people were getting baptized who had not known God for very long. I felt God, God saying to me that I didn't have to wait to be this perfect person to get baptized, so I got baptized in October. Since then, my life has continued to change and a big part of that has been finding connection through the Trent community here. I volunteered at the Arches for, for a couple of months, which was amazing, and I love being around such dedicated people. I've also joined the Trent Kids team, which has been super fun, but also a place I've got to know other team members who have been really welcoming and warm to be around. Small group has also been amazing. I filled out a connection form and got a call from someone in church. I was connected to a small group leader called Hannah, and before I went along to the small group, Hannah and I went for a walk to get to know each other. It made connecting with small group online easier because there was a familiar face. There are no longer people who just attend the same small group or forward my prayer requests, but friends Jesus has brought into my life. I'm so grateful I've connected to God through this season and also found a home here at Trent. Wonderful. As a church, we do a lot to contribute to the blessing of the whole body of Christ. A significant amount of staff and volunteer time is given to organizing events which bless the other 125 or so churches in the National Vineyard Movement, as well as churches in other denominations. For instance, in January, we hosted the Vineyard National Leaders Conference entirely online, with restrictions only allowing a few camera and media crew in this auditorium. So Susie, Debbie, and I hosted this two-and-a-half-day event in this empty auditorium with around 20,000 people joining us online. In November, Trent hosted the Cause to Live For conference for hundreds of young adults from across the nation with almost 50 people from Trent on team enabling that to happen. And in August, we were delighted to host the Dreaming the Impossible DTI Youth Festival here 
at Trent on this site, the pandemic has been especially difficult for young people, as we know. And although live streams and Zoom small groups were fun, they were impactful, nothing compares to being together, especially at that age. And DTI was one of the very few youth festivals that were able to actually go ahead last year. Thanks to our national conferencing team who are based here and around 90 staff and volunteers from Trent who put in many hours into making it happen. Over the course of the two two-day events, about 1,500 from 80 churches took over our site. Debbie and I were here and just had a wonderful time throughout the whole week. And there are amazing stories of what God did through DTI. We know of scars being instantly healed, young people meeting with Jesus in extraordinarily supernatural ways. This is what one youth worker from Aberdeen said about it. Normally, it takes a few sessions of a youth conference for the young people to really get into it, but this time, they were raring to go. Our young people opened their hearts and worshipped Jesus. Seeing how God connected with, so, with them so intimately was just incredible. And on the 12-hour journey home, the coachload spontaneously of youth spontaneously broke out into worship, and praying for each other, including prophesying over each other. Bow Down, an event which usually happens in Market Square, was held virtually this year. Over 800 devices, so many more people than that, uh, logged in across England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and the Republic of Ireland to pray together and to light a candle as a symbol of Jesus being the light of the world. And in October, we hosted over 250 sound technicians in here from about 200 churches across the denominations for the Sound Summit. Very sadly, in September, Lynette Baxter, who alongside her husband Malcolm led Heart Church here in Nottingham, died. We had the privilege of hosting her Thanksgiving service here so that the staff team at Heart Church, who themselves were grieving, didn't have to feel at all responsible for the day. The least we could do in the circumstances. But what we did was evidently a great blessing to Malcolm and the team. The things we've heard about, of which there's just a few glimpses, okay, those things are only possible because so many of you are actively involved in serving. And we've only had the resources to do those things because so many of you here are committed financially. In most past vision talks over the years, we've looked in some detail at how your investment in God's work here has been used. However, since the beginning of the pandemic, our talks have become shorter. So I recorded a separate video with more details about the finances, which is available on the website. And if you're interested, I would encourage you to watch it there. Let me go give you some of the big numbers. Our financial year runs from July to the end of June. So these figures cover the period up to uh, the end of June, seven and a half months ago. The total amount which came in in this past financial year was an amazing just over £2.5 million. Including what we gave away, we spent just over £2.3 million giving us a surplus of 180000 which will be spent on capital expenses, upgrading our facilities and equipment. So another very positive year financially. 
especially when we consider the massive impact that COVID had on our conferencing business, that income just, boom, disappeared. And the financial uncertainty that many people have faced conferencing through this recent months has been rebuilding, I'm delighted to say. But as I say, do watch the video if you're interested in seeing that unpacked in more detail. Looking ahead to this coming year, as the senior leadership team and others began to pray and discuss what God may be inviting us to press into in the season ahead, there were certain things that we just all felt there's a need for. Firstly, we realized there was a shared desire to bring the church back together. It's been wonderful to rebuild connections in recent months, but we recognize that we are very much still recovering from the most fragmenting and disconnecting thing that has ever happened to us. And we still have a long way to go. So we sensed the need to push into connection. Being a church where members feel part of a family, where they are known and loved, where they're supported through the good times and the bad, and where our faith can be lived out in community. So that's the first thing, connection is a high priority this year. Secondly, we realized that these last two years have been extremely challenging, especially as gathering with other Christians, even individually, let alone in small groups or large groups, was massively curtailed. That isolation was very challenging and really tested some people's consistent walk with the Lord. And we recognize the need to grow in our personal discipleship, to grow stronger as followers of Jesus who can weather the storms that we may find ourselves in. And we're also mindful that we are living in a time and a culture where the tide of general opinion on morality, sexuality, and identity is moving rapidly away from the biblical view of truth. And so we sense a need to push into spiritual growth. We want to develop ways in which we can grow together as resilient disciples, to deepen our faith, to live biblically in this culture, and see every member of the church grow in their gifting. And finally, we want to grow even more into being a church that partners with God in the extending of God's kingdom, that makes a real and lasting difference. So we sense the need to push into being re-envisioned for the impact together that we can have on the world. There's a verse in Ephesians we were drawn to which really encapsulates what we're saying. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is talking about Jesus Christ, and then it says this in verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And you can see all three of these elements there. There is connection as the body, that is us, the church, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. There is growth as the church grows and builds itself up in love. This verse really is describing the particular type of growth. We're talking about spiritual growth of the whole body. And then you see this body is being built with a purpose, as each part does its work. The body isn't to be built up like a bodybuilder so it can stand in front of a mirror or pose for photos. It's built up so that it's strong for the work that it's called to do. 
more like a soldier would have to train and eat well so that they are fit and strong to do their job properly. And the thing the body is working for is the extension of the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Ultimately, all of it for the glory of God. So our vision for the season ahead is this. Ephesians 4.16, one body, one purpose. We want to live out Ephesians 4.16 to grow as a church which is centered around Jesus as the head of the body, that is joined and held together as we reestablish deep connections and friendships and we make space for new ones to form. We want to grow and build each other up as we deepen in faith together. And we want to roll up our sleeves as together each of us does our part, doing the stuff together, extending God's kingdom together. We feel this is something that really encapsulates and communicates what we are called to do in this next phase of the life of the church. So this may be an emphasis for 12 months. It may be extended beyond that. And we'll be sharing more about what this means in the coming weeks and months. As we consider what we've heard today, what God is doing through this church, there's an invitation to those of you who are part of Trent but are yet to commit deeply to move from being an attender to becoming a member, to take a step towards doing what members do. Some of you only join us occasionally on a Sunday, maybe very occasionally. I would encourage you to grow in the habit of coming to church regularly, whether that is online or whether that is here with us in person. Some of you are not yet involved in an area of ministry. On a seat near you, you'll find a serving form. Now, you might like to look at that, maybe tick one or two boxes if you'd like to try something out. Someone will contact you to arrange a time, and after that, you can decide whether you actually like to go on a rota maybe once a month. Some of you are not part of a small group. You know, the best way to find one is to head to the Connect area or fill in a Connect form through the Connect link. Or you can email smallgroups at trentvineyard.org if you'd like to find out more. Or if you'd like to try, you know, if you'd like to try a few groups before you actually land and decide which one you're going to settle in, that is absolutely fine. And even if your life situation means that you can only go occasionally, I really still encourage you to join one because you'll then be part of a group of people who know you and care for you. Some of you are not yet committed financially. Can I ask you to please seriously think about joining those of us who are investing financially in what God is doing here? And you'll find all the details on how to do this at the Give link, or again, there are forms on a seat near you. And if you do make any changes, it's really helpful if you just email giving at to let the finance team know. Today, as we look back and as we look forward, we're, we're obviously celebrating some of the things in the life of the church. But this celebration is ultimately all about God, the father of this family, and every other expression of the church across the world. To God be all the glory, great things he has done.